podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding Would you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3? If you don't have your own Bible and would like to use the one that's In the pew or the chair, it's on page 965. We'll begin reading with uh, verse 12 of chapter 3. Paul has been contrasting the ministry of Moses in the Old Testament with the ministry of Christ, talking about how much more glorious the ministry is of Christ, the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. And so... Having talked about that glory, he says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Thus the reading of God's Word. Let us pray together. Lord, as we come to this Word, we thank You that in this very Word that we've read is the promise of transformation. What a huge concept. What a all-encompassing salvation. Not just the changing of our ideas, Not just a minor adjustment here and there, not just, quote, joining a church, but the total transformation of our lives. Lord, we thank you for this radical love that does radical things to us, that changes us from the inside out and finally changes us completely so that it could be said of us that we will be glorified. It is said of us that we will bear the image of Christ perfectly. Lord, what higher destiny could there be that we will be made restored to the image of God? Enable us, Lord, to understand this more through this word. And may your Spirit give us light to understand it. And may your Spirit Himself transform us. 
For we pray it in the precious name of Christ. Amen. The uh, title this morning is The Transformation of Glory. It makes me think of the show that began in 2002, ABC Extreme Makeover. And we, it ran through 2007. It played out in people's interest, but you know it involved all kinds of things, including plastic surgery on people and weight loss and hair and makeup and every kind of thing so that a person looked one way and then they come out to their friends and they're just amazed and applauding. There was a spinoff from Extreme Makeover called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. This one was much more popular and more touching because here a home is transformed and it's usually done for a family that has a particular need, a very touching need. And so you find yourself welling up with tears as you see this transformation of their home, the extreme makeover, home edition. And as I was thinking about this, uh, this text, the transformation of glory, being transformed from glory to glory, I, I thought, what an extreme makeover is being done on us. And it's interesting with the extreme makeovers, they don't go to a picture-perfect mansion to make it over, do they? Or they don't get some excellent-looking movie star to make him or her over. It's usually somebody that you see and you think, yeah, she could use a makeover, or he could use a makeover. Somebody like me, you know, that could use a makeover. Or the house, obviously, is something that you think, gosh, that really needs some help, that kitchen, that... well. We're being transformed, and the idea is we need to be transformed. We need an extreme makeover. This is the essence of salvation, changing us into the very image of Jesus Christ. The whole of salvation is outlined in Romans 8 as God, before time, setting His love on us, and predestinating that we would be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what Paul says. Here's salvation. Before the world began, God planned that one day we would be conformed to the image of His Son. That is it. That's that's what must be happening to us. It's the restoration of our humanity. It's the discovery of what makes a man a man, a woman a woman, a boy a boy, a girl a girl. That we're made into the image of God. For we bore His image and that image was deformed because of our sin. And we abandoned God and turned away from Him and became very much unlike God. Ungodly, ungodlike. And so salvation is a restoration fellowship with God and a restoration to the character and image of God. That's what salvation is. So the transformation of glory, extreme makeover, Christ edition, you might say. In fact, one, uh, one commentator called it the Christification. You know, we have the word sanctification. But I like that. This is the Christification of each one of us, being made into His very image. The transformation of glory. Just two points. The transformation, it is a transformation by vision 
It is as we see him that we're changed. It's a transformation by vision. And then it's a transformation by his spirit. A transformation by vision and a transformation by his spirit. You'll notice that he says here in verse 18, with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. The idea here is as Moses took the veil off from his face, the veil represented the hardness of heart of Israel. Talked about this some weeks back. And and it, it represented the fact that Israel, the people of Israel, would not and could not, refused to see the glory of God. And so a veil was put over Moses' face when he came out from the presence of God. But then it says, with unveiled face, Moses would go into the presence of God and see God, and he would come back in his face would actually shine with the light of the presence of God. So that's the picture here, this kind of weird language, but that's the picture. So now all of us, he says all of us, not just one Moses, one representative of all of Israel was going into the presence of God. He says now all of us are beholding the glory of God. All of us are in his presence And all of us, rather than a glory that just faded eventually from Moses' face, and it was just, it was just a physical light that, that faded from his face, all of us are being transformed into the image through seeing his glory. This is a whole different world. This is a whole different universe he's talking about here of our being transformed into the image of the one that we're beholding. So to know him scripturally, to know him, to fellowship with him, is to become like him. We will become like him as we know him. That's not just an intellectual knowledge. You find out some facts about Jesus and you're going to be changed. But as we study Him and adore Him and enjoy Him and trust Him and delight in Him, as we fellowship with Him, we are transformed into His image. In fact, we are told in 1 John 3, at the end of our life or when Christ comes, it says we will be made just like Him. Why? Because we'll see Him as He is. So even in the final transformation, it is in our complete fellowship and embrace of Him and seeing His glory that changes us. So you you can't separate your change from your fellowship with Christ. It's not simply God makes a list of rules and you try to be like that. There's a transformation that occurs only through fellowship with Christ. Only as I enjoy Him and worship Him and long to to know Him more and ask the Spirit, as we'll talk about, to open up the glory of Christ to me. This happens in our relationships even, doesn't it? We are always amazed at two older people that have been living together for 50 or 60 years There was an old couple that lived up the street from us and eventually, growing up, and eventually he had to, they they took walks every day and eventually the walk was he pushed her in the wheelchair, which just made me fill with tears again and again to think of this lovely little couple. But when they walked together, they walked the same and their backs were the same and and you, you thought, 
you've got to be brother and sister, you know. I've thought that so often with older couples. You've got to be brother and sister. What's that strange thing that you, your laugh kind of is alike, you think alike? You, it's amazing how we rub off on each other just by being with each other. It was so cute. I could tell when Kay, back in Jackson, was talking to Mari, a good friend of ours who had a thick uh, Spanish accent. Because Kay would say things like, she'd say, I think so. (laughs) I would hear her little tidbits of Spanish, you know, accent come out as she was just talking to Mari because of the influence of Mari talking. Yes. She'd have a short yes. No. (laughs) You know, things like that. So she's talking. She got off the phone. I said, you're talking to Mari. Yeah, I had you know. Uh, Just a wild guess that you were talking to Mari. And I remember in college, I found myself, there was a good friend of mine, Tom Key, who had this bold laugh, and I found myself laughing like him, you know. It's amazing that we, even in those simple little ways, we rub off on each other. I was amazed, I think I've told some of you this, that uh, there was a pure 100% Chinese uh, boy, 16 years old, his sister had baptized her first child in our church. She was a member of our church back in Jackson. And uh, I was just engaging him after the service. 16 years old, raised in the Mississippi Delta. And just looking at him, you think, he just came from China because he's pure Chinese. And I said, so how old are you? I'm 16 years old. (laughs) Coming out of this, just couldn't believe it, you know, that those incongruency. And, of course, my granddaughter, just, just two years old, the other day, she lives within the territory of West Texas, okay, Jacksboro. And so, the other day, we're at our house, and she says, I need a knife. And Kay said, you need a what? <laughs> like that, almost like, you will not have that accent, you know. <laughs> Of course, look who's talking, of course. (laughs) But this is just just minor details of being around people and adopting their accents, their language, or their laugh, or, or their ways. And here is one of seeing Christ and having our very character changed. The beginning of the Christian life is described in chapter 4, verse 6. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is when we turn to Christ that the veil is taken away. He said earlier in verse 14, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. Well, that all has to do with vision, seeing. So much of the Christian life is perceiving by God's Spirit who He is. It's interesting how much of the Christian life is also perceiving who we are in Christ. So much time is spent in the epistles describing who we are, what we have in Him, what the promises are that we have. That's why it says in Peter that it's by the promises that we 
embrace God. It's, it's as He declares all that He is for us and all He will do for us, that's how we even know Him and fellowship with Him. So it's about perceiving His glory. And as Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now think about this a little bit. The glory of God is seen in the person of Christ. I love what this commentator said. Those who are consumed with their own glory, with pride and boasting, will miss the glory of God revealed in Christ, for it is a peculiar sort of glory one that radiates from the humiliation of the cross. If we are forever bent on self and promotion and power and and all of these things, we cannot, we will not perceive the glory that comes from the humiliation of the cross. That's what none of us wants that. If he was calling us right now to be kings and queens and to own things and to run things and to get all the attention, we'd be flocking to it. You know, if it was to get a lot of this world, oh, we'll be flocking to that. But if it's to lose yourself, if it's to lose possibly everything, even your life, we don't see a lot of glory in that. We don't see a lot of glory in one who would sacrifice himself. But that's the glory that we see in Christ. It's the exact image. He is the one that exposes what God is like. God shows himself most vividly to us in the sacrifice of his son. That's how God chose to say, here's the big statement. You want to know me? You want to taste me? You want to see what I'm really like? Here it is. And don't think, well, that's not really the Father. That's the son. No, He's the exact representation of the Father. This is how the Father revealed Himself to us. It's in the person of Christ. Over in Colossians, if you want to turn there, it would be good. It's page 984 in the Pew Bible. <clears throat> it's interesting when... Paul here talks about the new self, which he says in verse 10 of chapter 3 on page 984. He talks about the new self that is being renewed after the image of its creator. There's a new self being made into the image of God. It's very similar language of being transformed from glory to glory. Now, he had just talked about all the things that we must put to death, our former life, including verse 5, sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness. And then he talks about in verse 8, wrath and anger and malice and slander and lying in verse 9. So he says, put on the new self that's being made in the image of God. Verse 12, here's the exposition of that image of God. Here's the new self. He says, verse 10, put on the new self made in the image of God. Then he comes back to that in verse 12, put on then. Okay. So the same thing. Here's that image you're putting on. Here's that new character you're putting on. The one that looks like God. Kindness, compassion, humility, meekness, patience, 
bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The Lord revealed Himself as one who bears with us, who forgives us, who is kind to us, who is patient, who is humbled to sacrifice and serve us in Christ. And so, this being transformed from glory to glory has a weird look about it. And that's why Paul can say in verse 10, as he begins to talk about it, he says, we have this treasure of glory in jars of clay. And he talks about how we're being destroyed outwardly, but even as we die, the life of Christ is being manifested. It's an odd kind of glory. It's a glory where we lose ourselves and amazingly find joy in God, joy in one another, joy in spending ourselves for His kingdom. And from a worldly perspective, it looks like we're losing everything. Now, there is the final glory, of course, a a glory of kingship, a glory of reigning with Christ, a glory of being like Christ, a glory of having all sin and the curse removed. But even, but up to that point, that final uh, transformation of glory, there is this being changed into the image. And of course, it has to be into the image of the one who said there is the greatest love that anybody could have is he gives his life for his, his friend. It's that love of Christ to which we will be conformed. So, are you gazing at him? Are you studying him? Are you admiring him? Are you hungry for him in the word? Do you ask as I love the subtitle of the children's Bible that we have, every story whispers his name. Every story, beginning to the end, in some way whispers his name. And of course, the full unveiling of the New Testament that now shines back into the Old Testament to even light it up as it's never been lit up before with the glory of Christ. Dear brother or sister, make that your whole life's ambition. Your whole life's ambition to gaze at the glory of Christ with the view that you will be made into the image of Christ. If if anything else is your goal in life, in the end it's such a pathetic goal. Because you were made for God. You were made to know and admire Him. You find your greatest joy in the awe that you will experience in Him. And then in the process to have your life transformed into that image of love. And there's a humility about that. There's a humility of realizing I'm clay and He's the potter and I have to put myself in the way of admiring Him, but what a happy prospect. You mean, basically, I just need to admire Him more and more? Delight in Him more and more? Study Him more and more? Get more and more excited about Him? Hunger and thirst for for Him more and more? Know more and more? Yeah, that's it. All with a desire 
of course, to give yourself up to Him and to be like Him, for Him to change you. And isn't it encouraging that the transformation is by the Spirit? He makes that clear. The Lord is the Spirit. And here, He's not identifying that Jesus is the Spirit in that sense. There are two persons in the Godhead. But it shows the close action of Christ and the Spirit, that the Spirit does exactly the work of Christ. He represents Christ. He applies Christ's work to the believer. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he speaks of giving them the Spirit. We, we read that Christ is in us, but more often we read of the Spirit being in us. Christ is in us through the Spirit. The Spirit in every way conveys to us the life of Christ. And so, Christ even says to His disciples, it's better that I go away so that the Spirit will come. Amazing statement. I will come to you. I will be with you in a way you cannot imagine. I will empower you and strengthen you and live within you through this one, the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit dwells in you. You're the temple of the Spirit. You're the new house of God. He's in the deepest part of your being, as Jesus says in John 7. If anyone believes in me, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this... John goes on to say, he's speaking of the Spirit. See, John Miller talks about this and he says that it's for anyone who believes. Helpless belief. Helplessly saying, I'm lost. I can't change myself. I can't be anything different. I trust you, Lord Jesus. You promised that through the Spirit, whole new life will spring up from my innermost being. That means at the root of who you are, the power of God, the very life of God springs forth. Talk about transformation. It's not on the surface. It's from your innermost being to change you inside out. And think of this Spirit. He's intimate with you. He knows you. He will never leave you. He's the Spirit by whom all things were made. We've talked, we, we sang about the glory of God in creation. All of these things were made by the powerful Spirit. He gives life to all things. He sustains the life of all things. He indwells you. The transformation will occur by the unlimited Spirit of Jesus Christ who now is dedicated, dedicated to your transformation. To think the person of the Holy Spirit person of the Godhead, totally dedicated, on site, so to speak, on the ground, so to speak, in your heart, for real, to transform you. Let us trust Him. Let us believe in His work. Let us expect Him to do great things. Let us expect Him to overcome those pet sins of ours, those tendencies of ours, those things that we struggle most against. Brothers and sisters, expect that He will change you. For He says that's what He will do. This is Christianity. We will be transformed 
as we come to know Christ by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, we praise You that this One who is all-powerful is transforming us as we gaze at the beauty and glory of Christ. Lord, thank You for such a happy destiny. The joy of knowing God and the joy of that God through His Spirit transforming us. Lord, thank You that the work will be done and it will be completed in that final day when Jesus comes. And we will be images of Christ forever. Perfect in joy. Perfect in our love for one another. Perfect in a new world remade for these glorious beings. For us to live and work in your presence forever. Oh Lord, we honor you that you would do such for us. Forgive us that we have done so little at times against our sin, that we expect so little of your grace. Forgive us that we can be so dead to the beauty of Christ, so dead to gaze at his glory. Stir us up, Lord. Revive us, renew us by your Spirit. Fulfill the promise of Jesus Christ. The promise that you will be our God. How gloriously it is fulfilled that your Spirit would be dwelling in us corporately as a church and individually. So is the great promise. I will be your God and you will be my people. Oh, bless us, Lord. Equip us through Jesus Christ, we pray. The pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, O oh, come with blissful rain, break rain. Shades of night and chase my fears away. Won't you chase my fears away?